0: Friends, welcome to Kusini, The African Grind, where we bring you the stories of young Africans from across the region, highlighting the good, the bad and the ugly of building ventures or movements, and how they find balance in what they do. Thanks for choosing to be with us. I'm one half of your host, Maggie, And I'm the other half, Idel. Let's get into it. Welcome back. This is part two of the conversation, and we're excited to hear what's in store. How to maneuver to that
1: so um the way I maneuvered it is how people
2: maneuver in Nairobi in Nairobi when you don't know anything, you make sure everyone knows that you know until you know. Let me bring that in the context
0: of your question. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. So, um in the western world as you say, they have a culture where when you're sure of what it is you have and you, are, you have something like a solution and you've developed it, it is for you to make others understand. And for you and in a way that in a way that makes others can understand is the impact. What is the impact? What is your solution? What is the impact? How is it going to return and do all that stuff? But then you have to put some razzmatazz, as they say. But in our context, in our context, we come in a culture where, as you said, when you say all that and you come out all that, you tend to be looked as either you're arrogant or you're sure. And so you kind of have to like tone it down and do and like be humble. So there's a fine line towards going, doing the Razmatas and, and just doing like what the culture, like, start, like diluting it into the culture, like in the cultural context, you have to find a sweet. How I went about that was, first of all, I knew, especially in the beginning, I knew a hundred percent people will not believe me and they will not buy the idea. That one I was sure. So by understanding that, I removed the fear of rejection. So because I knew you would, because I know people would say no, I was not afraid to to stand and talk because I knew you would say no. So I was already prepared for you to say no. So when someone says yes, I was very surprised because I was very prepared for to say no. So that's the first one. It's 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 not the right way to do it, but it was the only way I think I could do it because the idea was to be consistent and to say the same thing over and over and over and over again until it enters into people's heads subconsciously. That way when I say when I stand and tell you this is the impact and all that stuff, I kinda have of already planted the seed in your head without having to like drum it in your face. That yeah. is in the Kenyan context. But when I went outside in the US, US is I think in my in my interpretation, US is one of the it's like one huge PR company. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: American.
0: Dream. Yeah, yes. the best it's PR company. Like, so mm.
2: Yeah, like that's the biggest PR company I've ever I've ever seen, and I think they got it right in the context of it. All what matters is how people perceive you, because how people perceive you is what will what translate for them to putting value. Remember, value is it's an intangible thing. Yeah,
0: so value
2: it. value mm-hmm. is very it's very subjective it's not objective it's very subjective
0: mm.
2: so it's for you to put that value and the way you show that value is by perspective and perspective is now there so I remember my mentor told me now that you're here you need to to be a showman mm. when you stand you be a showman and in my head, I knew if I stood in Kenya and I, I became a showman, people would be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But here, the context, the culture is different. So I had to be a showman. So it is, it is understanding the cultural context on where you're doing. So now when I come into Kenya, I, 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 I don't stand and I don't become a showman. Yes. To some extent, you have to do PR is, is, is just being a showman, but In Kenya, I take a a laid-back approach and let the work do for itself. Let the work speak for itself. So you have customers speaking on your behalf. You have other people who have experienced your solution speak for you, not you standing and selling yourself. So in Kenya, you you find your customers, have the customers buy the solution, and let the customers sell you. So that when you're doing all that show, you kind of have people who are not you and are not your friends or family who can attest and validate that what you're offering is a of value. So yeah, that is my understanding. I know it sounds very philosophical, but. It no, no, it's awesome.
0: brilliant. It's good. Zambi,
1: you picked a really good cause environment. Amazing saving the environment. But also, it comes with you having to work in um, where you get your raw materials. You know, you work in Dandora. as in that's where you're collecting your raw materials. And mm-hmm. we know Dandora is going to So, yes. it's like, we will just walk us through that process of trying. I know we, know we know that plastic doesn't have value. Waste does not have value yet. But it has value to a section of people. Um, yes. And you are trying to get this waste. So are you paying for it? Are you collecting it? What is that challenge like? I can only imagine, actually. Um, and, yeah, how do you deal with that, trying to get your material.
2: So there's no need of reinventing the wheel. And that's less the lesson I learned, both the easy and the hard way. The system is there. The owners are there. And for you to be sustainable, you have to make economic sense both to yourself and to them. And the idea, and the lesson I learned is, human beings, we when you come, and this is as far as alluding to the first question, when it comes to human being and when it comes to selling, you need to sell two things. This is a lesson I was taught by my mentor. You either sell fear of missing out, or you sell greed, or self interest. So. In this case, I sell self-interest because every human being asks the question, what is there in there for me? Mm. So it is my job to make sure that you clearly see what is in there for you, because if you see what is in there for you, then it makes my work very easy. And that is not as far as just business is concerned, even in friendship. The reason why your friend is your friend is because they know they benefit from you either socially or emotionally or when when they need your help, you're there financially. But they always have, you, as a human being, you always ask the question, what is in there for me? Yeah,
0: we're
1: selfish. As we far, mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And as far as investors is concerned, I am selling fear of missing out. This is going to be a big thing. And when you miss out, it's upon you. Now imagine people who, were given the option of investing in Google in the 90s, yeah. and they didn't invest. <laughs> how are they feeling now? So that's the
1: People should know. Put your money now.
2: You see. So when it comes to plastic, I work with them because they. I I make sure I answer the question: What is in their food? So once you have that figured out, and you work with the current system, all that kind of falls in place.
1: What is something that? you you said you learned the easy way and the hardware huh? what are some of yeah. the things that you learned on the ground because your work is has to you constantly dealing with people whether you're collecting the plastic you're going to shop it to your the, the people who will buy it um your customers who what are some of those things you 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 working with the government i'm sure you have to probably get special permits, licenses to do some of the things you're doing. Even just explaining what you're doing, it feels like it's something so new. So trying to mm-hmm. explain it to maybe a government, or like a local official, like actually I'm doing this and this and this. Yeah, I know there are things you knew at the back of your mind, but what surprised you and how did you get it?
2: So this was not a huge surprise, but it was a surprise nonetheless. I always knew my gender would work for me and against me.
1: Mm. Double sided coin. I like that. Mm. So it will work.
2: The occasions where it works for me is it people are curious. Like, you're a girl, why would you do that? They're curious. Mm. But past the curiosity, there is the, the people um, are skeptical. Oh, okay. And because they are not, they are sceptical. They will not trust that what you say you will do, you will do. But the virtue of being a leader. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. The space I mean, it's very male-dominated. So I needed to work so hard, especially the first year in 2019. Oh, I needed to work when when. When I, when my colleagues and my team members and everyone who was who a was guy would work one, I would go like three to five steps just for it to be equivalent to that one. And I knew that was just, that was the price I had to pay because, you know, unfortunately, you cannot change gender. So you have to work with that. And because of that, I had to earn the respect. Now, after I have overcome and proved myself, now it's more of, now the gender role comes now and works for me because here is a lady who can do five steps more than you and she's a lady. Now, instead of me being the cake, being the lady, being the cake, it's now like the cherry on top. So that was the hard thing. That was the hardest thing I ever learned. To, to know, to know my place as far as my gender is And There are places I had to go and I had to talk through my mentor. My mentor is, is about 52 years old. He's an, he's an, he's a 52 year old man. So it reached a point I had when I go to like certain places and I want to talk, I'll have to talk through him. I'd have to, for him to go like a day before and have them talk to them. And then he calls me as like a, I was like, hey, come in. This is the person I was talking about. Because I knew whether I liked it or not, those doors I could not open. And it is you don't have to work hard. You have to work smart. So where he could open those doors, I had to use it to open those doors. Where I can open the doors, I have to open those doors myself. And especially in 2019, those were the hardest times for me mm. as far as that is concerned.
1: I just have to say say that, you know, like this idea of the, first of all, I'm really impressed that, you know, it's male dominated, but you, you're still keeping on and you're still trying. Um, And I think one thing I've also noticed, so my name apparently sounds like a guy's name. I get that a lot. And I've even had when people are writing me emails, they'll say Mr. or whatever. And I've noticed how people would treat me when they thought I was a Mister until now when they mm. met me in person, how that changes. And you know, I just okay. sometimes use it to my advantage. If someone calls me, "Hey, Mister," I I won't correct them because I, sometimes I feel like it might help. And so mm. your point about the mentor, actually, yeah, that one I I, I feel feel you on that because you can sometimes yeah. see the difference and it helps sometimes use it to your advantage where you can. Yeah,
0: yeah, I completely agree. I I. I completely resonate with, and either, you know, this is something we've talked about, um, what you mentioned mentioning, Zambi. Sometimes I used to get angry that I had to use somebody else to talk on my behalf, um, to be able to get, gain credibility of some sort, because, um, as I am, I'm a very small person. So most of the times when I enter a room, people always assume I'm an intern or <laughs> I'm not. Um, very, I'm not, small. I I'm not I'm, very small. Yeah, I'm not up to the job. So even as a, so I'm a doctor, even as a doctor, patients always used to look at me twice. And actually most of the time. And now I work in the NGO sector and I, sometimes I got so angry when I work with government officials and they just they just assume you and they assume they don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. Only until somebody else who's older and preferably male uh, is the one who speaks, they will say the exact same thing, exact same thing you will say. (laughs) But how it's received is very different. So I do appreciate that idea of working smart because sometimes it's also just learning how to maneuver because in the end, what you want is those doors to open. It's not the ideal situation, but if you want those doors to open and then from then on, now you'll be able to find how to be able to build your credit, to build yourself within that space. So I completely resonate with that. Got to this point whereby Jenge is now, now you're selling to different companies. Um, So actually, in fact, maybe you can just walk us through who is the biggest clientele at the moment. And uh, where are you hoping? What kind of clientele are you hoping? Yes. Adding to that question, you also
1: said you want to diversify. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe uh-huh. you can also talk about that. So we have
2: categorized our clients into, into two segments. We have what we call the B2C and the B2B. The B2C is business to customer. B2B is business to business. <laughs> business to customer, ideally speaking, is individuals, people uh, in Nairobi who want to have their houses paved and then b2b is construction companies or companies or just business in general. Um, right now we are servicing a lot of b2c and that's because we have a really our our biggest challenge is not demand our biggest challenge is supply. Supply in terms of accessing the volumes on time of plastic waste uh, and producing the bricks in the volumes that are needed and are required compared to, uh, in in comparison to the demand. So that's why we are doing a lot of B2C because B2C is small, small projects. As far as big projects, we are currently now in talks with, um, two companies. I will not quite mention their names because it's still in the discussion phase, but one is one, one, I think the biggest, uh, beverage company, not just in Kenya, but in the world. And, uh, Hopefully when all that is said and done, we will close and then I can, I can mention. But until then, I cannot mention, but just know it's, uh, it's a very, it's a huge brand. Um, in terms of, uh, other companies collaborating with different companies in terms of the doing being the extended producer responsibility partner, one of our most like companies that we really work with them the most like, continuous partner is like London Distillers, London Distiller Kenya. Mm-hmm. Those ones we, we collect their plastic waste on a monthly basis. And we are now in the process of establishing a system where we can not only just collect within their factory, but even outside the factory, as far as their brands are concerned. Mm-hmm. The other company we are also working with is Pwani Oil, or rather we are in the process of establishing a, a working system. Uh, the fresh, fresh fry uh, company. We're mm-hmm. also looking to set up uh, a project with them. And also as far as converting their waste uh, the, from the cooking oil to a project or uh, maybe saving paving a, a community, a public place. Um, the mm-hmm. other companies we are working with are um, Coca Cola. We are now taking the uh, taking the, uh, nice. the the plastic, but also have them as a user of our product. So as you can see, those are huge brands, some big, some really big brands that have not only helped us in terms of opening our space, but also validating our solution. So and at the same time, we have now the B two C, and the the, the 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 thing I like about B two C is the business to client the uh, customer sale is they give us. Lessons we, we're learning like rapid lessons because they're telling us, okay, fine, your product is like this, it's like this, change this thing. This we're getting a lot of rapid lessons, and those feedbacks is what when we start processing the B2B, we kind of already have that established so we don't make what they call rookie mistakes.
1: Some of those um collaborations that you're talking about are really big, it's almost like uh the dream customer. Uh, <laughs> do you, what's your So, I'm not saying Umefika, but it feels like it. So, but what's the, what's your like big dream for Jijenge, you know? And um, also in that note, are there, who are your competitors? Is there, is there like a company that you're eyeing how maybe to model yourself against or um, that you want to outdo or even just internally? What's, what's that big dream for Jijenge worldwide? Okay.
2: So I'll answer the previous question and then finish with your question. The first question you asked me is the diversification. We want, our goal is to be a leader in alternative building products. And those alternative building products have to be sustainable and very affordable. That is our core business. With that said and done, we, uh, we decided because we are working in the construction space and the construction space is a very rigid space. It's the space that has not been disrupted in years. So bringing a new product just like that and going direct into the building space, it would, uh, it would have experienced a lot of resistance. So we needed to have what you call a silent entry into the market, a smooth, like a very subtle entry into the market and hence the pivot because the horizontal space is not as uh, demanding in terms of the structural uh, requirements in the spec space as compared to the vertical space. The horizontal space is the road space, the vertical space is the building space. So once now that the lessons we have learned in the horizontal space, we now start to slowly prototype and create an actual building block, both from the plastic uh, waste and also from other materials. As stated earlier, my background is in materials science, yeah. And so I'm constantly researching on building materials that are not only affordable, but also sustainable. And the idea is for them to be easily accessible. And something I've realized in my research and continuing to do in the process of doing this research is our ancestors have kind of have kind of figured it out. So some things we don't have to even like re, you know, reinvent the wheel. We just have to go back and like rebrand or something like that. You see? For example, Kenyan yeah. Kenyans, Kenyans uh, and especially people in the urban space, they don't like building with bricks. They can clad with bricks, mm-hmm. but they cannot build with bricks.
1: Yeah, we like stones they- actually. <laughs>
2: Yes, there's a cultural element and also there's a time element and the cost element because bricks, you know, they're very small and so it takes you longer to build and there's all that because they're very brittle so they, they break very easily but also there's a, uh, the cultural element and the colonial element because the colonial masters, they built the houses with stones and uh, the early people used to make mud and bricks so people had that thinking of if, it, if it's stone, it's long-lasting or it's yeah. elegant or it's prestigious and all that stuff. So there's the kind of, there's, there's nothing working for you, but then there's also this new space of people demanding affordable housing and decent affordable housing. So that is the space we want to really tap into because when you see a construction project, about 60% of the cost implication goes to materials. Mm-hmm. So we need to tap into that. As far as now the question, the next question you asked and where we see ourselves in terms of the future is with, I, I hope and pray that I, I don't want to ever export any, any solution or any brick like Jijanga paper. I don't ever want to export. Even to other, really? uh, major wow. counties, I don't want to export. Interesting. Because, I don't want to export the brick. I want to export the solution. Mm. Why? Plastic pollution is a worldwide
1: problem, not just Yeah, a yeah that's really good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my that's God, my God
1: import, yeah. actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And and everybody has plastic waste, actually. You know, people. Exactly. So, if I, so much,
2: it,
1: yeah. if I can give
0: if I can give you the solution,
2: you solve your problem in your own hometown. Then that's it. And but
0: that is, is what... Patented. Yeah.
2: We're in the process of patenting. It. Ah, great. Fantastic. Good, okay. good. <laughs> because the idea is to do different elements of franchise and a combination of different uh, forms. Hopefully we can develop a new form of that. But the idea is to have it used in masses. And I mean masses. To start with in Kenya, East Africa and Africa. Because once again, Kenya, Africa is a mass market.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that is where the likes of Safaricom have been able to like really capture us.
0: You have mm-hmm.
2: the usage of Safaricom in Kenya is magnomous. Yani, as people, as it's yeah. it's it casually said, Kenya runs on Safaricom. Yeah, or Empress, sorry. It, Kenya runs it's on true. It stops we minutes, We know. <laughs> <yes. laughs> And it's because it captures the masses because you are in a mass market.
0: Mm.
2: We are not, we cannot afford the niche space. We don't have the niche space.
0: Mm. So
2: we need to go in masses. Hence that is the space I want to capture. And for you to capture the masses, you have to make it simple. You have to make it accessible and you have to make it affordable because you can't have the best solution. It's sustainable. It's all that nice jazz, but if it's not simple, accessible and affordable uh, that's good at least we have a story to say but the solution ends there so the vision is to be a leader in alternative building space and to just you see what MPSA did into the financial space yeah Mm -hmm. and into the into the to the both the banking and the logistic and transportation, even the business space, and business just disrupted everything. It disrupted everything. It changed it changed everything. Now that's what I want to do in the construction space. Both in the civil works, the building roads and the building space.
1: And it, it's it's great cause this is um it's affordable housing is top priority, you know, yeah. for Kenya mm-hmm. specifically. So yeah.
0: yeah. So Zambi you are uh, like this amazing, intelligent, very outgoing woman who wants to revolutionize alternative building products. You have mentioned all the work that you've put in over the, over now from 2015, is it from 2015? So almost six years um, that you've been working on this. I'm curious to know, um, when do you find, do you find time to do things outside of, Jenge, um, how, how does Zambi last, or does or, or is work just what consumes you? <laughs> <laughs> what, where's the balance? Do you find balance, and how do you define that for you?
2: I, I, I don't know, but hopefully I will be able to understand the concept of balance. But what for me, how it works is mm. I've learned the art of compartmentalizing Mm. So in my head, I have different cabinets and in my heart, I have different cabinets. So I have the cabinet for Dijenge when it comes to human resource. I have the cabinet for the finance. I have a cabinet Mm. for suppliers. I have a cabinet for customers. I have the cabinet for myself as a zombie. I have the cabinet for myself as a dancer. I have a cabinet for, I like bike, like I love, I'm a biker, so I love biking. So I cabinet for me as a biker. So I have all those different cabinets. And so what I do is I break my time, like I make sure I create time for those different compartments. Mm-hmm. Because you know the beauty the beauty about being a young company is especially as an entrepreneur, you you might not necessarily do it. In the beginning I used to do it, but right now I need to I need to have a touch in the human resource, I need to have a touch in the procurement and supply chain, I need to have a touch in finance, I need to have a touch in sales mm-hmm. and marketing. I need to have a touch in, like, um, production. I need to have, like, my hand everywhere. So I need to spare time to do that. And if I don't, like, compartmentalize, then you find I have concentrated so much on the tech because I love that aspect. I concentrate so much on that. And the customer, I forget human beings. Because I I tend sometimes to have a very tunnel vision. So when I put my head there, everything else becomes dull and void. So. Compartmentalizing has really helped me. So for example, I know every Saturdays it is dance. Every Sundays it's bike. Mondays to Fridays is Jijenge. I, uh, Mondays is human resource. I make sure I talk to my team members, I get to know how they are, their well being, both direct and indirect, just without having to ask them. Because I've realized in Kenya when you ask someone how are you, they'll say good. And we'll end there. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: need to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need
2: to be able to read beyond that. I need to be able to notice. Okay, maybe one of my team members, for example, is called Kim. Kim today is looking a bit uh why, and just talk to him and realize. Ah, oh, okay, maybe he last week maybe he he had something or he had a family emergency, and just to know all that. So uh, Tuesdays, because it's a bit more calm, I now talk to people like uh, customers. I talk to people who are interested in working with us. I talk to suppliers. So Tuesday is just to talk to people outside the team. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays is is there for like production. Like we need to, okay, what is in for production? Are the machines fine? Do we need to do maintenance? What do we anything in the product? And then Thursday is having a touch with different and uh, regulatory, regulatory bodies or just anything as far as the government is concerned or anything as far as like a uh, partnership or stakeholders and, 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 and funding and investment is concerned. And then Friday is like collecting everything together. And then Saturday is done. And then Sunday is like. So it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of discipline. Otherwise, sometimes it all crumbles. But a good team really helps. Like I can say there a, a good team or oh, a good team really helps. But everything. once you're an entrepreneur, you just know there is no time for sleeping.
0: <laughs> I work
2: more <laughs> as an entrepreneur than I was an employee. Mm. So,
0: oh
1: wow! Well.
2: But it's worth it, I guess
1: now because you know this is your passion, and like you said, this is, this is like your baby. So it's worth putting in that effort to achieve the dream that you've been you've talked about.
2: Yes, yes. I can promise you out of the twenty-four hours in a day, I can tell you about 14 to 16 I am working. But Mm. it's not I'm feel I'm not feeling like I'm working because as you said, it's my passion. So the the love fuels it.
1: Yeah. Zambi, we know we can talk forever with you. And then it's honestly inspiring. I've noted down some things that you've said. You know about this I'll call it maybe faking you you know when you know like you fake it till you make it kind of attitude um and then just how you compartmentalize and see your business like you are involved in every bit of your business, but also just you know how bold you are like to just leave something that is sort of safe and secure to pursue this thing that you believe in so much and in a manner in a matter of like five to six years you've kind of built something that is genuinely super impressive. So congrats to you. Do you take in people who just come to visit? Are people allowed to just walk into your <laughs> visit? Because we might. We might just drop by. Yeah, if uh, you want, you just you,
2: you can just call if I'll be available, I can uh tell okay. you if you want to talk to me in person, we can schedule for that. I might not be readily available, but I'll promise you I'll make time for you.
1: Oh, Oh, thank thank you. you. Thank you so much. And also just thank you for making this time. It's late in the night. You've come from a busy day, but you know, you're willing to share your story. And to anyone who's listening to this podcast, I honestly hope they'll just be inspired. Um, Yeah. You don't know who you might have inspired actually just from this conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Um, Thank you everyone for listening. And it was great having you, Zambi. We hope to see you doing more amazing things in the coming years. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, uh, for, and I'm really honored to for you to invite me. Uh, if anyone wants to to connect, uh, you can connect on Jijenge underscore makers on all platforms. That's uh-huh. Jijenge underscore makers, and also personally, Zambi Mate underscore ke. I might not answer all the DMs because I am <laughs> the DMs, but I promise, I'll, even if it takes me two three months to answer, like right now, I'm answering those ones for much.
1: But I mean, so keep I, trying. I mean, Just send the DM. They will be answered. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Zambi. Um, have a good night. Thank you. Thank you so much,
2: and have a Thank good you, evening, Zambi. Bye bye. Bye. That's it
1: for now. Thank you for listening to Kusini, the African Grind podcast, where we dive into the amazing journeys of Africans making their mark. Look out for more episodes. Until next time, bye.